great Googamungas. It is May 18th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is the Lunduke Journal podcast, and today we're going to talk about choosing your perfect retro computing platform. So I'm assuming if you're listening to the Lunduke Journal, you're a bit like me. You like old computers, or at least you like the idea of old computers, or the nostalgia, or the aesthetic, or something about some old computer platform draws you in. It pulls at your heartstrings on the regular. And simply choosing which one you're going to use, which one you'll focus on, which one you'll invest your limited resources, time, space, money, and uh, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, relative patience of your spouse or significant other, uh, you got you to gotta, you gotta narrow it down. You can't just say, I'm going to use all retro computing platforms because eventually it hits a point of unsustainability as much as me, you, and probably a great many other people listening would just like to be able to have a whole house filled with every retro computer platform that ever crossed our minds. But it just doesn't work that way. We've got to be able to choose. So we're going to talk about narrowing that down a bit today. Um, that's that's Honestly, it's something that's on my mind a lot. <laughs> and it's not something newly on my mind either. This is something that I, I wrestle with and struggle with and have for pretty much my entire life. I mean, I was I was born thinking, wow, that computer from five years before I was born looks really cool. <laughs> like, I would like to have one next to my bed, please. All right, and that has not gone away in the, the entire time I've been alive. Um, oh, 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 I, I, should, I should point out that this is the Lunduke Journal, which means it is supported by subscriptions of the Lunduke Journal, so you should go subscribe to the Lunduke Journal, and you can get Linux Sucks 2022, and you can get the, the uh, behind-the-scenes commentary of Linux Sucks 2016. Those are nice exclusive videos just for subscribinators and and uh, all 10 books and blah blah blah, all that good stuff. Go go support the Lunduke Journal. It is the most hippest, happiest place on the inner tubes. You love it very much. Uh, links on the places or just go to lunduke.com or lunduke.substack.com or lunduke.locals.com or whatever. Go to, go to a universal resource locator and you'll be super excited. Okay. So, here's the thing. Here's the thing I keep coming back to. Here's a, f a few, a few areas for consideration when, when selecting the the retro computing platform that you're going to focus on. Right. Number one, do you need it to be mobile or not? Right. And if you need it to be mobile, do, do you know? Do you need a laptop or a or a handheld? Or can you get away with emulating it on a modern laptop? What what sort of options are you willing to consider for the mobileness of it? Because let's 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 be real. Let's be real for a moment. If you want to have the time to enjoy a retro computing platform, or an operating system, a line of hardware, or even a specific piece of hardware. Being able to do it on the go is incredibly important, especially as we, as we nerds age, we become nerdy moms and nerdy dads, and we have nerdy kids running around, and we just don't have the time to sit at our desk with no one bothering us or touching our stuff. So we need to be able to have our stuff be a bit more mobile to be able to sit <clears throat> in the throne room and, and you know, use something on our tablet or phone uh, emulated or something along those lines or a laptop while laying on the couch or sitting in your recliner or laying in bed or just 
down at the coffee shop and working on your Commodore 64 emulator on your major laptop, right? These are things that you want to start considering. And once you go down that road, let's say, let's say you don't want to go emulation. You want to run, you're a purist. You want to use raw hardware. And so for your retro computing platform, you need something that is both A, portable, and B, was portable back in the day, which limits you severely. The good news is there's a great many uh, DOS laptops, uh, Macintosh laptops. There's even a couple of Atari ST laptops, though those are really breaky. I just want to let everyone know, if you have ever thought, I would like to get one of the Stacy books, um, or the Atari ST portables, they're really cool machines. There's no doubt about it. Uh, being able to run TOS, uh, you know, the Atari version of Gem on this cool little laptop is a super neat, ultra rare thing to do. Like, so if you go down to a coffee shop in a nerdy part of town and you you whip open your Atari ST book or your Stacy, it's going to turn heads. But the plastic on those machines are getting so brittle. Uh, it, is, it is very difficult to look at a Stacy and not have it start cracking. So if you're going to go that, that the laptop route, you know, you can go far, as far back as, you know, old 68K Max or PowerPC Max or old DOS machines, uh, that, which there are a great many number of, uh, of good machines available to get for that. If you go down the DOS route. Your options actually become somewhat limited if you want the epitome of DOS gaming, because there's two things you're really looking for here in a DOS machine. Number one, a Sound Blaster compatible chip, or at least an ad-lib chip, so you can have decent sound effects in movies and the games you play, right? Or sound effects and, and music. That's a, that's a critical one. And the other thing is having a decent screen with a good VGA resolution. So having a VGA 256 color screen is, is a big plus. It's not a critical thing for many, but if you want that that pinnacle of DOS gaming awesomeness of the of the 90s, that's what you need. Is you need a VGA screen, uh, a couple of megs of RAM, 386, 486, or early Pentium, and a Sound Blaster chipset, and you're good to go. Oddly enough, that is not easy to come by all the time. However, uh, there are a few lines out there that do it well, and my personal, personal preference here are the little sub-notebook librettos. Those are fantastic because they're very easy to open up, so you can easily swap out the internal hard drives in them, which I recommend doing. Get a get a flash, like a comp, an IDE to compact flash or an IDE to SD card adapter, you don't need a very big flash drive for those because if you're DOS, you're going to be limited to partitions of two gigabytes maximum. And really, you're probably not going to want more than three or four total partitions anyway. So get yourself a, a six to 10 gigabyte SD card or compact flash card, a really nice fast one. Stick that into an IDE adapter, slide it into the spot and inside of the libretto, a couple of screws later, boom, the case is back together. And you've got not just a faster machine than it originally was, but a significantly quieter machine. A lot of those old laptops... They have fans in them, 
but most of the noise actually comes from those old mechanical spinning hard drives. Those platters spinning, they make a surprising amount of noise, especially as they age. Uh, so you get that out of there and you replace it with some flash, and not only do you get the speed improvement, you get battery life improvement, you get sa uh, sound improvement, it makes way less noise. And you end up with a system where it's very easy to back up and image your entire retro computing experience. So you can just pull that SD card out, make a direct file for file copy backup of it, throw some new games on there, versions of Windows 3.1 or OS 2 or DOS 622 or free DOS. If you want to go totally free and open source and free software, -y. lots of options. It's very, very cool. So going, going the DOS route is great if you can get a laptop that has a sound blaster chip. There are some great palm tops available. I've talked about like the HP uh, LX200 and the, and the related line they've got, like the 90 and whatnot great little palm tops they're running an 8186 cpu uh they have a couple megs of ram depending on which model you get uh and again you can put in uh some pcmcia to flash adapters to have a little more storage uh, as well as you can get like one of those those uh serial modem emulators to be able to move files around between your primary computer they've got a cga monochrome display that's four colors but you know just displays mono um, and uh, no sound blaster, obviously. <laughs> so it's it's great for you know CGA gaming and CGA office work and whatnot, and that that works fantastic. Like if you're doing a lot of ANSI ASCII stuff, it actually looks pretty great. And in fact, uh, some of the early like uh, King's Quest and Space Quest games run great on on those little CGA palm tops. They really they really do run surprisingly well. Uh, Civilization One runs on those old machines. It gets a bit pokey, um, and it. it the monochrome display isn't perfect for it, but it does run and it actually plays pretty fun. Um, uh, but let's say, let's say though, that either DOS ain't your bag or you just can't figure out a, a good piece of DOS hardware that you want to settle on. I think there's, there's one computing platform, a retro computing platform that many people completely overlook when they're thinking about uh, adopting and just embracing a retro platform. And that is all the old pocket PC and Palm OS type devices. And I'm talking Windows CE, pocket PC, and Wince, <laughs> and, and early Windows Mobile, as well as everything on the Palm OS front, right? Between the two of them, you've got a million and one different pocket sized devices that are a lot of fun to use and some of them they still get software releases today not a lot not a lot uh but you know as a general rule all the all the applications you could ever want are available because everything for those platforms is abandonware it's just abandoned software and so that's that's kind of it makes it easy to pick it up and and run with it uh in fact so like the the HP Jornadas are kind of interesting. They have little uh, little palm top style Windows CE pocket PC type devices. But if you want to stay clear of uh, of the the Microsoft and Windows stuff, over on the Palm OS side, there are some devices that well are 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 miss 
misunderstood and underappreciated. And one of them is the Alpha Smart Dana line. Uh, and the Alpha Smart Dana, if you've never seen these guys, they are word processors. They're billed as a word processor that just happens to be running Palm OS, right? It's a keyboard in a slab form factor with a screen on the top that's ultra widescreen, but it's running a version of Palm OS 4 or something, I believe. And what's interesting about these, it is it's a full Palm OS PC with a nice, beautiful, big keyboard. They're really great machines. And and if you want to, you can really dedicate yourself. Like you could have one of those and then you could also go with uh, one of the fancier, you know, high-end Palm OS devices. One of the nice color ones in the, the later years. Uh, some of them have nice uh, thumb keyboards. Some of them are more graffiti and pen oriented. Uh, or, or you could even go with some of the gaming oriented ones like the Tapwave Zodiac and the like. There's just a lot of Palm OS devices out there. So if you invest yourself heavily in the Palm OS as a computing platform, as your retro computing platform, A, cheap to get into. Uh, you can find really good, high quality, sometimes you know new in box almost, Palm OS devices for 50 bucks, uh, depending on what you're looking for. Uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks for really fancy, rare stuff. But, you know, typically it's it's a much cheaper platform to get into, which means you can get a couple of devices, you can get some peripherals for them, and really dedicate yourself to a platform that many people have just written off as completely dead, you know, 10, 20 years ago. And that's kind of a fun way to go about it. I think, I think the idea of using retro mobile platforms, I think a lot of times doesn't doesn't just dawn on people initially but the the absolute fun of choosing a, a mobile platform as your primary retro computing platform it really cannot be understated uh it's it has a, a surprising amount of legroom there uh, and i know i know going with the microsoft pocket pc side of things has has its drawbacks but there was a lot of software made available for it. And, you know, if you, depending on which devices you choose, you can essentially share software between most of it, not, not all of it. There's some variations there. Um, and uh, there's some really fairly modern development tools available and all sorts of things if you want to kind of roll your own solutions for things. It's, it's not a bad way to go. But again, that Palm OS line, man. So many Palm OS devices, uh, phones and uh, little, uh, uh, you know, little mini game, handheld game consoles and, and all sorts of stuff. I, I recommend I recommend at least thinking about that as a, as a possibility because it's it's darn tempting. Now, if you don't need that portability, well, then then things open up to you. Then it becomes more a question of what platforms can you afford to get? And at the same time, can you in some way integrate with your life if that's what you're going for? Because there's two, there's two ways to embrace retro computing here, right? The first is cut off from the world. And there's real value here. Let's say you, you embrace um, Amigas, early Amigas, and you're like, uh, early Amigas is my jam, or or early like Macintoshes, like Mac Mac Pluses, or something like that. Those are my machines, right? You pick a pick a spot in the mid '80s, and you're like, this 1986. These are the computers that I like, and I put those in a room with shag carpeting and a, and an old TV with CRT set with big 
square thing with with uh, with bunny ears sitting on top, right? And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna dedicate myself to when I use these machines. I'm practically living in the '80s, man. I I use the peripherals as if they were the same. I run my games off of three and a half inch floppy disks. I'm old school, and maybe sure I can spring for an accelerator board here or an external hard drive there, but otherwise I'm just keeping it stock, you know, and it's just for fun. Or you find ways to incorporate them into your life. And I, I like both. I'm not going to lie. Uh, depending on my mood, I, I, I get interested in one thing or the other. But most of the time, I want to find a way to increase my usage of the retro computing platforms, right? To find ways to do more of my work. Now, I'm, I'm kind of lucky, right? Like right now, I'm recording a podcast. Can I easily record this podcast, create a video version of it to upload to YouTube or wherever, and then create an MP3 version of it that I, that I then upload to a, a variety of different platforms and, and podcast aggregators? Am I going to be doing that from an old DOS machine. No. Is it technically possible? Yes, it is, but it would be a real pain. However, I do a lot of writing. Most of what I do every day is writing. So I, I can write on an old computer. I can write on an old Trash 80 or a Commodore 64 as long as I have the ability to save that data, to save that writing, move it over to my modern equipment where I can do my layout and my final graphic design and, and that sort of thing and you know clipping screenshots and all that uh, and posting it using a modern web browser. So as long as I can get my work over to a modern computer easily without being too time consuming, then I'm good to go. It opens it opens up the whole world for me. So I, I've I've taken a couple of approaches here because I have a hard time narrowing down what computing platform I want to stay on, right? Because I I like I like not just retro computing but also alternative computing so it means i i like dos machines and old macintoshes and old atari st machines and uh, i like early amigas i love a commodore 64 i like an apple II. oh especially an apple II gs yes please uh but at the same time i also like running haiku and netbsd and openbsd and uh and just tinkering around with serenity and different computing platforms and so moving this data between all of them becomes uh, a bit of a challenge. So here's how I approach it. Do you remember when Steve Jobs was at Apple? And it was the early days of iTunes. And the iMac was out and popular and had the USB ports upon it and everything. And Apple decided that their new marketing strategy was that the Macintosh was going to be the center of your digital life, right? You were going to have this iMac. And that iMac, you would sync with your Palm OS PDA or your handspring visor or something like that. And you would you would sync it with your MP3 player from Creative or your Creative Rio MP3 player or something like that. And you would burn CDs with it. And everything in your life, all the gadgetry in your life would all sync and store and be backed up on and cataloged on and organized on that central machine, that iMac. Well, I kind of do the same thing now, except obviously I don't use a Macintosh for that. I use my Linux laptop. Uh, 
because my Linux laptop, if I, if I spend just a little bit of time getting things set up, I can make it easily read and write to and sync with Palm OS devices, old iPods, like those classic iPods, like the, the actual like spinning clicky wheel iPods, those old suckers, um, uh, old MP3 players, uh, uh, everything, every, every type of, of portable platform, I can get in and off of that. I can write to all the different flash devices, my SD cards and compact flash cards. Everything can, can talk to and sync with my Linux laptop. So then when I bring in new computers into my life, the first thing I figure out is, is, okay, how do I get files between whatever that machine is and my Linux laptop? And I, by and large, have two very basic, simple solutions to that, no matter what the machine is. The first is that I try and have some sort of flash adapter on any old machine. IDE to flash, SCSI to flash, they usually only cost anywhere from $15 to $25, depending on what kind you're getting. Um, uh, PCMCIA to flash, something to flash, so I can get it to an SD card, or uh, if I can get things to a micro SD card somehow, Oh, that's just so much easier, right? Because not <laughs> my laptop's got a micro SD card reader. Boop, in she goes. I can move files around. And once I've got uh, that that same setup on my HP 200LX running DOS and my Toshiba Libretto running DOS, and it also works on my Wi-Fi modem reader or my Wi-Fi modem emulator, my RS-232 emulator, which uh, is also a great way to go. Um, I can just move things between any possible computing platform I can think of. Now, the modem emulator is an interesting way to go. I use the Guru modem and just go to the Lunduk journal site, lunduk.substack.com and search for the Wi-Fi Guru uh, and you'll you'll find that there. Um I, I don't know how easy they are to get anymore. I got mine about uh, three years ago. Um, but, you know, these yeah, these small sorts of devices are, are typically produced by, you know, one one guy with a passion for it, and he makes 100 of them and, and sells through them and, and usually publishes the schematics so other people can make them, but who knows if anyone is right now. So uh, good, good luck with that. But there's usually always some sort of Wi-Fi modem emulator. But what I liked about this little guru modem is it had an RS-232 jack, so I could plug it in, oh, sometimes with an adapter, to just about anything. Um, anything with a serial port that you could connect a modem to, I could connect this to. It emulated a Hayes-compatible modem that I could set in software the, the, the baud rate for it. So on older machines, like I have my... Um, uh, my uh, TRS-80 Model 100, which I love. It's an old slab computer, but it's got no storage on it, right? It's got like 23K of RAM, and that's all the storage because there's no... <laughs> That's just all you get. And so having some sort of a, of a easy-to-access flash storage is absolutely critical for putting software on it, writing and moving data around, critical. You can't work without it. Um, and uh, But with this, I can plug a micro SD card into this little guru modem go into any sort of communications program that supported a modem, initialize it, and then run a series of commands, which little ATDT style commands, which drop you, boom, right inside the modem's little firmware, which it runs this little pseudo shell that responds to basic Unix and DOS commands for changing directory and copying files around. And you can use that to transfer files 
to your to and from the machine it's connected to via x modem and, and y modem and i think z modem maybe even uh, but x modem and y modem takes care of most things it's the, the old protocols for transferring files using uh analog modems the old bbs's and whatnot use them regularly and so because of that, I can move off of the same, you know, typically fat formatted micro SD card. I can move it between every single machine I've got. And what's really cool is then you go to the Palm OS side of things or the Windows and Pocket PC side of things. A lot of those devices had SD card readers, SD card slots in them, especially the later ones. Um, so they're the full size kinds. In fact, the uh, the Tapwave Zodiac is a Palm OS 5 device that has two SD card slots in the top because it was meant to be a gaming console and each game came on an SD card so you could put two in at a time. But for these purposes, you just get the full SD card uh, adapter, put in the little micro SD card into it, boop, pop it in that, Palm OS device, Linux laptop, um, every other computing platform I have, the DOS machines, everything. If I format it right and I make the partitions right, I can read it everywhere. And that's so cool. That makes it so cool. It makes it opens up my ability to choose what platform I want to go with. Just, just infinitely bigger. It is just a whole world going and gets huge. So I, I, I love going that route. But again, you still got to come back down to at the end of the day, you got to limit yourself to what what platforms you have the space for and the money for and and everything else. And I found myself uh, uh, condensing. Right. So I love older Macintoshes. I have a I have a soft spot like a Mac Plus. Oh, it's a thing of beauty. Black and white screen, no grayscale, uh, simple, the sounds, the tones, the keyboards. I, I just, I, I love the whole aesthetic of them. I think they're fantastic machines. But using a Macintosh across a wide variety as your primary computing platform nowadays, it's difficult because you can never emulate not okay okay i should i should preface this you absolutely can emulate it's just a pain in the tuchus uh yes it's totally possible to use things like sheep shaver or basilisk or, or vmac plus to to emulate a macintosh the emulations a lot of times aren't that great they're kind of heavy uh for the machines you put them on so you know they they, they don't always they, they tend to suck battery a little bit um like i can even get them up and going on my uh uh my android phone but it's moving files in and out of them can be kind of a pain and so i've i've kind of distanced myself uh from from those platforms, more or less. Uh, even though I, I I do love the the old Macintosh platforms, I love the Macintosh aesthetic. Um, they're just they're the old Macintosh pre OS ten. It was just it was just so much fun. They were fun, quirky machines, and I I really enjoyed them. But for me, I've kind of migrated my myself to DOS and Palm OS. I, I you know it. They're they're they have a lot of similarities for me. You know, they're they're single tasking systems by and large. Uh, I mean, one is just entirely icon driven and graphical, but and the other is is all you know terminally and and consolely and command dot commy. But there's something about them both that that I love for for what they do. They're simple. They are easy to understand 
everything that is within it. And I, I like that. There, there's some of the latest machines that you can have where you just fully understand them. Like once you immerse yourself on a Palm OS as a platform, you know what every, every kilobyte in your system is doing, uh, for better or worse. You know, you really get to know it, your, what, what applications you've got, uh, what your limitations are, and there are many, uh, but you really know it. And with the DOS machines, there's just so much fun software available, uh, but you get to still completely and fully know your system. You, you know where you put your software, and that's, that's all that's on there. You know, there's nothing running in the background unless you specifically load it up uh, in your, in your config.sys and your autoexec.bat, and I, I, I appreciate that. I, I like that. So I found myself gravitating towards those two more and more. Not really as a conscious decision, um, uh, so much as just those are the two I, I gravitate towards. Though I do tend to feel myself pulled by classic Max uh, Atari STs, man. Uh, they almost get me all the time. They're they're. they're fun machines um but I, I again like the the portable issue becomes more of a thing for me is i like i like to make sure that my my computing is portable and uh uh and i just don't i, don't, I just don't have the space because i get kids and everything else so I, I don't have the space for a whole bunch of big machines set up uh so it's got to be portable and the stacy laptops they just they're fairly expensive for a retro computing laptop and brittle brittle plastic um it it's just is an issue there's also i mean it's like um uh some of the early 68k macintosh laptops they have a tendency for their screens to leak uh their screens to 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 uh the seals to open up a little bit and that can cause the as the machines warm up just increasing amounts of artifacts and lines and and everything else on them and uh, it just can happen really really regularly with those machines so the plastics aren't quite as brittle on those 68k maxes on the stacy's but they can they can brittleize in a couple of them pretty pretty well um but on the dos laptop side of things there's a couple there's a couple of lines that have held out pretty good um uh, i like the omnibooks uh, i like the librettos uh, i like the hplx's those are some of my favorites those are those are my my three favorite lines of the of the dos machines and the palm os side of things oh man uh, the, the choices the choices the choices they have so they have one that's called a life drive and it's one of the last Palm OS devices made. It doesn't have a graffiti area. It's it's just a big longer screen, and it was sold back in the day as a as a virtual hard drive, right? It just had a hard drive in it, and it has a real hard drive in it, um, or at least some of the models do. Uh, and you can swap those out again for uh, an adapter with some flash storage as well to again boost the speed and uh, make it quieter, make it a little bit lighter, and uh, increase the battery life significantly on. Some some of those uh, and again make it you know just just that much easier to move things around though on that one you basically just plug it in and it's a portable hard drive anyway oh so at the end of the day i haven't really chose helped you chose anything i probably if anything <laughs> if you're like me you're going away from this well shoot now i just kind of want a stacy <laughs> This is hard, isn't it? It's this is one of the one of those hobbies where you get into it, and I guess a lot of hobbies are like this, where you just start wanting to collect more and more and more. I have a I have an uncle who's into motorcycles, and uh, he has some really great old motorcycles that you know you don't ride because they're 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 too old and, 
<laughs> and, and historical, so you don't ride them. But he's got a garage full of them now. Some of them work, some of them don't. <laughs> but he's really into the motorcycles. And that's that's where a lot of us are with retro computing. Is <laughs> How many machines do we have uh, where we've, we've done something wrong to brick them? How many of us have that? And, I mean... <sighs> Shoot, uh, I've I've done so many things that have just made me sick to my stomach. Where I've I've made mistakes either with the soldering iron or with voltage changes because you're dealing with machines from different continents, or or uh, or uh, brittle plastics that break. And oh my gosh, uh, so many so many things that cause so much stress uh, with with some of these machines. But we so we've got end up with with garages and whatnot half filled with with machines some of them work some of them don't uh some of them uh just need some cosmetic repairs uh just it it gets crazy so being able to narrow it down is a good thing right to be able to say okay this is what i'm going to focus on this is going to be my like yeah i know like i still love the whole of retro computing like i just can't get enough of it but for my personal collection and my personal usage i just have to limit myself to one platform or maybe two maybe if you twist my arm to or like a third one maybe maybe just three but like that's it that's where i draw the line Oh, heavens to Betsy. I guess this is a therapy session. This isn't so much choosing your perfect retro computing platform as, uh, as hello, welcome to Retro Computing Anonymous. Uh, my name is Lunduk. Uh, it's been 14 days since my last eBay purchase. Uh, <laughs> I, I only went to Goodwill twice last month, uh, so I'm feeling like I'm doing pretty good. Oh heavens! Anyway, I uh, hope you're all having a great time. I sh- I sure as heck am. It's it's been a it's been a crazy but fun couple of weeks, and uh, I've got more crazy and fun coming up. Holy heavens, man! Holy heavens! There's so much fun stuff happening. It's oh man, uh, Linux sucks. This last weekend was a lot of fun. Uh, I liked doing a show live. It was a I mean, I, I know it wasn't live in, in person and all that, and we'll try we'll try for that for the next one because I really miss that too. But it was still nice to have a live uh, live streamed audience, uh, even if they're virtual, uh, to watch while recording it. it. It gives you that little that little boost, that little kick in the pants, that little "There's no going back now, Carl. We gotta get to the end." I don't know who Carl is, but you know, I gotta get to the end, and so I gotta do a good job. You're right. So it's it's one take now or never. It's 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 nice having that. I um I enjoy that. I I'm a weird kind of person. I find it infinitely more stressful if I can if I can sit down and have as many takes as I want to do uh to do a show to do a, a voiceover or whatever. I was doing the uh, uh total aside on this one. I was doing the the voiceover for the commercial for the Librem One service uh from from Purism. Uh, this was before I, before I worked for them, they, uh, uh, they, they, <laughs> they contacted me and, uh, and we agreed I'd, I'd do the voiceover for their, uh, uh, for their commercial, right. For this online service they were going to launch. And, uh, I'm like, oh yeah, this is sure. This is no problem. So we scripted something up and, uh, I sat down to, with the microphone, the headphones on and with the little soundproofing all around them. Here we go. I'm going to record this now. It took me so many takes because I got nervous because I'm like, I'm like, oh, uh, like, I don't know, something about the ability to have a do over made me 
infinitely more nervous. And the more nervous I got, the, the, the more I stuttered or the more I second guessed myself or the more I stopped myself. And then, and then I just got worse. <laughs> like it not only, and then I got even more nervous because I'm like, I can't even speak anymore. I don't know how to use a microphone. What the fart am I doing, Lunduke? And uh, it was, it was, it was stressful. It was like 40 seconds worth of voiceover time. And it took me friggin' heck, like a, like an hour or two to, to bang out this 40 seconds of stuff. Uh, whereas like this show, uh, I mean, I've gotten used to it now. So I mean, I, I don't do multiple takes on podcasts anymore. I guess I, in my mind, in my mind, I'm pretending like all of you are watching right now. Uh, not necessarily in your underwear, but you know, just hey, everyone's watching right now. I, I, I just, I like that that pressure that that we're doing it live we're connecting right now as people i like to pretend like you're all right there and uh, uh the last two years of linux sucks <laughs> linux sucks that's a fun way to say that um i uh, i didn't do them live i you know because it was all you know pandemic time so there was no conferences so i just had to record it on my own so i in both cases i i just just went and sat sat down in a in a nice uh, you know decent sounding room and and started recording it and uh, it made me nervous. <laughs> it was just like the 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 idea that I could have multiple takes and no one was watching right now made me feel self conscious and nervous. Uh, I don't I don't know what it was, but doing it live didn't have those feelings anymore. Uh, th so thank heavens for it. So thank you to everyone who came out and hung out. Uh, it was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. And again, for those of you who have not signed up uh, to the Lunduke Journal yet, what, 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 what in the, when the heck of Nations are you doing? Go over to lunduke.substack.com. Uh, click on the About thing. There's an About tab, About link at the top of the page, like right in the middle. Click on that and read up on the Lunduke Journal. Read up, read up about what the mission is, what, what I'm going for here, uh, how to, how you can subscribe, how that all works. Look at it. Take a look at it. Uh, decide, you know, you know what what makes sense and uh, and rock and roll. That way, you can watch uh, Linux sucks and uh, and the Linux sucks commentary track I did, and uh, I, might, I might actually do one or more of those uh, coming up. Anyway, there's going to be a bunch more videos that we're only going to release for the Linux sucks or for the Linux journal subscribers that are going to be coming up because we're going to, we're going to be doing the rest of Lunduke fast here, uh, coming up, uh, coming up soon. We, we got to, we got to juggle, uh, because of some people's availability, we got to, we got, we got to juggle things a little bit. Um, but, uh, it's no big deal. It's, it's going to work out, uh, just totally Jim dandy. And, uh, I'll, I'll have more updates for people on that as we, as we get the schedule ironed out in the coming days. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? That's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. Uh, so there you go. I just chose your perfect computing platform for you. <laughs> Anyway, everyone, I uh, hope you're having a great night. I'm definitely having a great night. I will talk to you all a little bit manana.